Hello everyone, welcome to Danny Chats. This is episode number 10 and my special guest this week is Aruj. Hello Aruj, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, I've been really excited to talk to you because you're a little bit different to everyone I've had on so far in the fact that you had a heart transplant, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, so when was that exactly? That was 21 years ago when I was 11 years old. Oh, really? So can you remember much of it at the time of what was going on and sort of why? I remember everything. I think that's sort of the age where you start remembering everything. So I remember it all. Yeah. And what was the reason for needing a heart transplant? So uh, I was a completely healthy child and then I went on holiday and I, it was me and my brother. We got caught in a flood and I caught right. a virus. Yeah. And my heart started failing. Okay. and. Yeah, we didn't really understand what was going on. I kept going to the doctor and he kept telling me I've got a cold uh, because the symptoms can be quite similar. And then it went on for a really long time and all of a sudden I started deteriorating. Couldn't walk home from school where that was something I used to do every day. And then eventually it was found that my heart was failing and actually I didn't have Oh, so that must have been a very scary time for you all. Yeah, I, I want to say that it was scary, but you know when you're 11, everything is like an adventure. And yeah. I just either I didn't I didn't understand what was going on but I thought it was really cool like yeah. oh exciting happening I get to you know get crisps from the shop and near the hospital and I don't know I think I've, I've got one of those perspectives where I'd like to make the best of everything yeah of course it's all that you knew so yeah you just you kind of enjoyed it not enjoyed it but like you say you just made the most of it so exactly. I mean I know nothing about heart transplants and I've been thinking about it all week so uh first off there must be uh, an incision, right? So do they, do they have to cut straight yeah. down and open up the ribs? That's right. Yeah, there's an incision straight down the middle and they crack open your rib cage. And uh, my heart was taken out and my donor heart was put in. Yeah. And how long were you on the waiting list for, for a heart? I was on the waiting list for six weeks. And in that six weeks, I had two false alarms as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's common. I think you're very lucky if you uh, end up with the first first organ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, I'll go on. Quick, I've heard of people waiting a really long time and I think mine was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it's good. What hospital were you at? Great Ormond Street Children's yeah. Hospital. Yeah, was you from uh, London or did you have to sort of come from, uh, you know, did you have to move away from your home to be at that hospital? So, me and my parents, we at the time lived sort of on the outskirts of London, so it wasn't too far for us. Yeah, it's that's pretty... quite good. Yeah, because it's nice to have your family around, especially when you were that age. Yes, and they had, um, I don't know if they still have that, but they had this thing called the Italian wing, where your family could stay and be quite close to you if you were an inpatient, so that was really yeah. good. Yeah, it must be hard at the moment with the coronavirus going around for anyone that's going through operations that can't have anyone there. No visitors. Yeah. I really feel for them actually because having your family around you really helps. Yeah, having someone to bring in some snacks or you know just something to, and, and it breaks up your day when you've been there for so long. Exactly, I had an obsession with wheat crunchies when I was in hospital and literally I think my family were emptying out the vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so to go back to your operation, um, 
do they, I don't know whether you know this, but do they um, have something? So when they take your old heart out, do they connect you up to a machine that keeps your blood pumping around while they fix the new heart? Is it? I assume so. To be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not one for details of the operation. I just sort of let the doctors, they know their job and I let them do it. But I did wonder because I thought there must be a second or two where, you know, the, the old heart's out and you're waiting for the new one to come in. And obviously you've got to keep that blood pumping around. So I wonder if they do hook you up to a machine. That was quite interesting. They probably do because obviously without your heart, your body would just stop. Yeah. So now, how, how long was the operation? Do you remember? So I was told that it was six hours. That's quite quick, really. Yeah, um, but I didn't realise it happened because I remember them trying to knock me out and I'm going to knock out. They have to give me a lot of anything yeah. and a lot of everything. And I, I still, you know when they get you to count backwards, I'm counting from, I'm still here, I'm still awake. <laughs> I'm a bit confused, like why is she not falling asleep? Yeah, I think you have to, it's like knocking out a horse or something, I don't know, it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, woke up, I didn't realise I had an operation. So I was looking at my mum and I was like, what's happening? She was like, no, we've had it. Oh, really? So was you, uh, so yeah, I suppose just because you got put to sleep, you kind of, you lost your memory a bit. Yeah, I think I lost some time because my mum has these sheets of paper where apparently I was trying to write to her. Yeah. And then, and apparently you can it's really eerie to look at that now and i kept writing where am i where am i where are you where am i yeah weird <laughs> and how long were you in hospital after the operation um i was in hospital for a few weeks yeah. i think um i was told at the time that i had a very quick recovery and i was able to come out of the hospital really quickly yeah now i'm like hearing about people coming out in a few days or a week or two i think mine was a bit longer than that yeah, I mean, just medicine in, from my time of being in hospital at 14 up until now, just everything's progressed so fast. Like, you know, like you say, they can just have people in and out of hospital so quick now. It's amazing. Yeah. How long were you? Uh, just over a week, I think, afterwards. So six days, something like that. And then. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and then out. I mean, the first few days you're in, because I had drainage bags uh, on either side. I don't know whether that's anything you needed. Um, after the operation. I didn't have those, no. No. Well, I up to a lot of machines at the time, like after, and like being fed through a tube and things like that, but that was about it. Yeah, that's mad. And then, so what was the medication like afterwards? I take it you must be on anti-rejection tablets? Yes. Um, so I started off on a lot of tablets. And this is what I try to tell people who I speak to now who've just recently had their transplants. I started off on 26 pills. Wow. Uh, at the age of 11, that was quite a lot to remember. Yeah. Like, a book. And uh, obviously, people probably have apps now to keep track of everything. Yeah. I don't know if it's now, but I had a little book. And to be honest, I was really lucky. My dad was really on top of it. Was like, yeah, I'm just time to take that. But now I'm only on two pills. So you're only on two pills now? Yeah. That's, that's incredible. It. Yeah. That is brilliant. I mean, that is the hard one of the hard parts of uh, when you. It's daunting when you get given all that medication as a child. I mean, um, someone explained it to me because at the time I didn't want to take it. And someone said to me that, it's, you know, people take vitamins every day. So it's just like, you know, having to take vitamins. But, um, and I, again, yeah, I think you need your parents there, especially at that age, to, to make sure you're taking them. 
I used to, at first I was really obviously grateful to be alive and taking them, etc. But I obviously, because I was 11, I then hit puberty and became rebellious and why do I have to take None of my friends have to take Yeah. Uh, but I feel sorry for my parents who were just like, I was thinking, like angsty teenage so, sorry, that cut out just a bit. You being an angsty teenager and just being a bit rebellious. I just used to not want to take them, and then my, I feel sorry for my parents because they were literally like, uh, "No, really need to take them." You need to take them. Yeah, I mean, I remember having the uh, pill pots as well as a child. So, like the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Monday afternoon, all of that. So, dividing it all down, that helped a bit. Yeah, no, that I used to have those. I used to like them, and my dad had thing where you could cut the pills so some of them were quite big yeah yeah uh, yeah I saw someone post that on uh, I think it's Instagram they just put a picture of it up and if you know what this is you know you're like me so yeah I think quite a few of us have had to use those pill cutters at some point yeah it, it feels weird to me now talking about it because it feels like a lifetime ago yeah I bet now, yeah now it's just two pills and literally I'm not saying I forget them obviously it's part of my routine sometimes I obviously pandemic i'll be out with my friends and it's like really late at night or whatever and i'm well no i need to take something yeah 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 i've had that way you because it does become part of your routine but there are some mornings or afternoons that you just forget you know you're busy doing stuff yeah i've had to come back from work from at work like oh take them and i run back Mad. So after your operation, uh, I take it you sort of, you know, you went back to school, you did everything like that? Yeah, yeah. I was um, I was a bit of a nerd. I, I really like studying. So I literally, even when I was off, I had all my homework sent to me and I did it all. And uh, yeah, no, afterwards I went to college, I went to university, I'm a lawyer. So I followed all my And you say you're a lawyer now? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Well done. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really think about it like that because I feel really normal. I feel like everyone else. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible you're a lawyer because I, I wouldn't have that uh, capacity to study and to become, you know, to be to do what it takes to be a lawyer. So, yeah, well done on that. I think it's about what you enjoy because yeah. I enjoy reading. That's probably why. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that must help. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, things like going on holidays and stuff like that, is that all pretty normal for you now? Yeah, very normal. Um, obviously, pandemic has just stopped everything. Yeah. I can't <laughs> But before that, I was literally flying everywhere. I was going everywhere for work and for holidays. And it's just probably the longest that I've stayed in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. You get a bit, uh, not homesick, but like, uh, what is it? Like, um, do you feel like you're a bit trapped? No, you know what? This has taken me back to when I was a kid and I got sick. And, like, I tried to make the most of being indoors. We used to have Blockbuster then, obviously, then that's not around anymore. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Such a classic. And then I used to go with my dad and my brother and pick a movie. Or when I was sick, I used to pick a few movies. And I don't know why I made it this thing, but I thought I was going to die of the operation. Like, if I didn't survive, I wanted to watch every single movie that I wanted to watch. So I have a huge list. Yeah. everything every day <laughs> that's good at least it kept you active or not active but kept you busy and it's you know like you yeah. say it's good to have a little little goal to set yourself 
yeah, it was an odd goal, but it was really, I love entertainment, so I was quite happy. And so this has taken me back to that, like I'm on Netflix trying to watch everything. <laughs> <laughs> what are you watching at the moment? What's your favourite series? My favourite series? Um, so I was really late to Prison Break. I watched oh, that really yeah. recently. Yeah, pretty really good that. one. Good one. What's the the one where the guy becomes a lawyer uh, and he's not um, not trained? Suits. suits. Yeah, suits. You like that? I like that. I love that show. <laughs> I haven't seen all of that, but what I have seen so far is really good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I just presumed you might like that because it's about lawyers. This might be a bit presumptuous. I really, I got really hooked on Vikings for a while. That was oh, really. Oh cool. yeah, I love that. I love that. I haven't seen Game of Thrones yet, though. I have. Okay, so I watched the first series, got really, really hooked, thought this was really good, and then I don't know what I'm waiting for. I need to watch the rest of it. Yeah. So. It was something that I planned on doing when uh, after my operation, because I thought, you know, that's something that I can get really stuck into. But uh, I found it a little bit hard to concentrate on stuff, actually, after my straight after my operation. I don't know whether it was the sort of medication and the morphine and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. There's... There is plenty to catch up on on Netflix. It's good for, for people with time on their hands. Do you take steroids or are you done with that? No, I'm done with that now. But when I first was taking them, uh, there was uh, a lot of side effects. So it sounds weird, but there was lack of sleep. But there was also, when I did sleep, I'd get sleep paralysis. Okay. So it's like uh, night terrors. So you, you kind of had like demons come into your sleep, which is really, if I was a child and I had it, I would. I don't think I'd have wanted to sleep again. But because I was an adult, I kind of realized that it was a dream. Wow. Yeah, that was the main side effect I had from the steroids, but the rest of it was okay. But you're obviously not on steroids. That's... No, I was on steroids at the beginning and I blew up like a balloon. I remember coming home after the, after the transplant and my brother didn't open the door for me and he was saying I know we don't want to buy anything and I was just like it's your sister I, I'm not selling you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Um, my, one of my brothers was going away to uni and I don't know if he's done this on purpose but there's a picture of me in a photo booth and my cheeks don't fit in to <laughs> he stuck that inside his calculator and he's kept it to this day to remind me that that's how big my face was brothers so nice i gotta love them <laughs> yeah yeah my sister weirdly sent through loads of baby photos of her and my siblings and i said that's a mistake because they're going to get put up every birthday and christmas now like loads of old embarrassing photos i'm just going to turn off my big screen because i'm i feel like i'm looking up and looking down okay no problem yeah that's better my work set up is here, so i've got my big screen and my lips yeah so have you been working from home a lot since covid you, yeah. I take it because of your on the anti-rejection tablets that, you know, you was in the vulnerable group and and yeah. all of this, so lots of shielding. Yeah, I was, I was shielding from March and I've basically been working since then, but our office is open, so I've gone in for the odd day because um, it's kind of like a register and if I see that there's any more people in, then I do just chance it going, but I, I'm very safe, I'm very Yeah, yeah. I think I think you still have to have that balance of getting out because I, the first lockdown I went a bit not not crazy but um, it was hard mentally towards the end especially because I've had so much time off work so I wasn't working um, but I can imagine even for people that are used to seeing people being in an environment where work's quite sort of bubbly and then just yeah. spending 
you know, your time on Zoom calls and stuff. And then when that Zoom call gets cut off, you're like back in that room where nobody is. So it must be a bit lonely at times for people. Yeah, and no, I can imagine my work's kept me quite busy. I think it's kept me quite sane, actually, during this yeah. time. Because um, I was just saying to somebody yesterday, I, I think if I didn't have work, I think I would have gone a bit mad by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just, just get dressed, just live in my pyjamas. Although I'm not going to lie, sometimes this is cool, but I don't share. I enjoy that. <laughs> I think that's standard standard attire for when you're Skyping. Yeah, it is. Smart up top, that casual below. Yeah. Um, I'm to being able to go out again, though. I am missing it. Just, just take it for granted. Yeah, definitely, definitely take it for granted being able to go out and just, just to see friends. It's definitely been a weird time. So do you have to go for a regular hospital appointments or blood tests and stuff like that? So I go uh, once every six months. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, it used to obviously be more frequent at the beginning. Yeah. And then um, as my results stabilised and everything, they just made them less. Do you remember, was there much, sort of many ups and downs when you first came out of hospital or was it pretty smooth sailing? Because obviously you're on so you're on so much medication. There's obviously side effects to all of that. So there are. I think you know how you said you were finding it hard to concentrate after your transplant. I think I had that. So yeah. I was get frustrated at myself because I liked reading, I liked watching movies, but I would lose focus pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, frustrated. Like, why? Why is this happening? That didn't last that long. Um, I did have protection. Pardon. I had one rejection. Okay, yeah. Right towards the beginning. So I was actually on, on cyprosporin. I don't know if you know about much about the medication. So I think there's a lot more of them out there now. Back when I had my transplant, I actually had cyprosporin. And what I was, was that second one, sorry? Tacrolimus. Ah, uh, tacrolimus, yeah, I've heard of tacrolimus. Yeah. So you I don't take advograft or prograft, that's not... Prograph. So Prograph is actually Tacro. It's Tacrolimus. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, those were choices, not choices, but those were the options. Yeah, And yeah. they on cyclosporin, and I, that's how I had my rejection, and they thought that it might be the medicine switching over to Tacro and touch wood. That suited me. Brilliant. That's really good, really good news. Have you spoke to many other people or met anyone else that's had heart transplants? So I've only started doing this since lockdown. Um, strangely enough, the, the whole time for like the last 20 odd years, I've never thought of doing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, it's not that I didn't think there was anyone out there. I just, I just got busy, I think. And I, I was fighting to be normal. I think yeah. I spent my teenage years thinking I'm the same as everyone else. I don't want to set myself apart. And, and then when I started doing that, life just gets away from you, your friends, your job. Yeah. It was so hectic, and then all of a sudden, this pandemic happens. I told them very vulnerable, I have to stay indoors, and I thought, and that's when I started talking to people. Yeah. yeah, Instagram and stuff like that are great for um, for meeting people that have gone through a similar similar experience, and it's really nice to speak to people that have done that. I think definitely, and it gives you hope as well. So. There's people messaging me because they think, oh, you've had it for 21 years, you've given me hope. But then there's people who've had it for longer than me, they're giving me hope. So I think it's like a circle. 
Yeah, that was definitely one of my worries and probably I think one of everyone's fears is how long is this going to last? Um, so it is great yeah. to see, like you say, people that have had it 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they're still doing really, really well. It is, it's amazing. I love seeing that. I love seeing people doing really well and you just think, yeah, that's, it gives you a lot of hope. Yeah. One thing I have found, because um, I never, I was the same with you, like, um, I didn't really talk about any of my problems, Wilson's disease, and obviously not the liver transplant because I hadn't had one, but uh, after my diagnosis, after I finished school, I went to college, so I just didn't bring it up to anyone, because like you said, it's kind of like a fresh start, and uh, I didn't want to be sort of pigeonholed as that person, so, yeah, so it's been, it's been interesting now, speaking out about it and finding lots of other people. Yeah. But, I love, I feel understood and I didn't realise that I wanted to be understood all this time. Yeah. I, I wanted to be normal for so long and like everybody else. But now I felt like, okay, no one gets how it feels to be vulnerable for your, you know, to have a suppressed immune system and all the rest of it. And now I'm actually celebrating the difference. You know, I am, you know, vulnerable and different to other people, but it's, you know, there's lots of us out there, we're not alone. But yeah, and you're you're living proof that you know life can be very good after going through what what to some people and probably was to yourself very traumatic time, um, and worrying. Yeah. Um, like you say, we have these coping mechanisms, and we think it's all all right. But I'm sure I'm sure for everyone, you know, there was a lot of worry at that time. It, it can be amazing. So uh, my parents get freaked out all the time because they'll get phone calls from me like, "Oh, I'm boarding a plane." Oh, I'm climbing up a mountain and they're like, what's wrong with you? You've had a transplant. Now, they've given up now. They know she's crazy. She's going to do what she wants. Yeah. Well, I think the world's your oyster. Like you say, as long as you're, you're sort of careful on the basics, you know, and you look after yeah. yourself and you just make sure that you do your regular hospital appointments. I think the main thing is taking the meds and you're all right. You can do what you like. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think I've ever intentionally I was rebellious. I never actually missed them. I think there was a part of me in my mind that's a little bit of a worse than to happen to take your medicine. Yeah. No, it's great. Do you, are you, was you talk, so talking about social media? Um, did you join any sort of Facebook groups or anything, or is it just you set up your Instagram, uh, which I will put a link to? It's Little Miss Newhart, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, um, before that, I've not been part of any groups, nothing on Facebook, absolutely nothing. This was no. my first into, you know, finding other people. Yeah, well, uh, anyone listening, obviously, you know, add little Miss Newhart and then you can have a chat. It would be lovely to connect you guys up. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I was just going to say about, because I joined uh, a few different transplant groups on Facebook afterwards. Uh, and I found it was really, really good, but also a kind of, uh, it can be quite scary because 90% of the people that post on there are posting about their sort of problems, you know, they're asking questions about a rejection or about this or about that. So everything you see on there can be quite negative and in your head you're like, oh my god, all this stuff could happen to me. And I was explaining it to someone the other day, I said, but you've got to remember all the people that have positive stories very rarely go on there. You know, once a it's year they'll go on there and say, I'm one year post or two years post, but they don't go on there every single day saying, I'm doing really well. <laughs> so many people have said this to me because I've had some sort of Zoom calls with other transplantees sort of globally just to see how everyone's doing in the pandemic and yeah. just to keep each other going. And they said the same thing that they've joined groups 
before and it's made them anxious about their position. Yeah. yeah not doing so well. But they're right. People talk about it, mention it if there's a problem. And usually when something's going well, and I think that's why it took me years, yeah, I was doing well and I just never felt the need to and it's only now that I thought that I can't go into about it like this not doing it sooner because it might have been nice as a teenager but like you know finding myself in the same situation that would have made me feel less alone but yeah I sorry I, I missed that last bit I've just always been one of these people that kind of just force themselves to hang on and just try to absorb what they have yeah yeah, yeah, you have to be like that, I think. You have to be. But yeah, it's great that you've set up the the uh, Instagram and you are sort of, is it, like I say, it's inspiring to people. I don't think people realise how inspiring. You might not get messages every day, and you know, but people will be looking on and they will be inspired. So it's great what you're doing. Thank you. It, it's, it makes it all worth it. Sometimes I get messages, like direct messages from people saying, oh, my child is about to have a transplant and seeing you you know, having had it so long gives me hope and things yeah. like I get some really touching messages and it makes me think, oh, it was worth it setting up an Instagram. Because sometimes I get anxious as well. Because like yeah. you said, I see when people have objections or people not doing so well. And obviously I want to be there for them and support them however I can. But it affects you. It does get you. And you do yeah. think, oh, you know, what if that happens? I have thought that in the past. I think I was off Instagram for a week because I thought I'm getting stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then I thought a really lovely message saying, oh, you give me hope and I think, no, I don't want to be it. I'll carry on. Yeah, it's definitely swings and roundabouts. I think there are times that you do have to just make sure you do focus on yourself if if it does get a bit, bit on top. Because like you say, I mean, I, I've had messages and it gets a point where uh, sometimes you do just need to take a step back from it all and focus on yourself again. Then, do you feel well? Yeah, very, very well. Uh, incredibly well. I mean, it's just over a year now since my transplant. Uh, mine was a liver transplant, wasn't it? So it's a bit different to yours. Uh, yeah. It doesn't seem as, as epic as a heart transplant to me. There's two things, a heart transplant and a, like a double lung transplant, to me, just kind of blow my mind. Um, probably because I, I have in their own right, I think all of the transplants are epic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just because I've had the liver transplant, so you know, it's a bit more, bit more common to me than than and a heart. And I just think it's incredible the fact. Cause my granddad had a triple heart bypass, and I just think it's incredible the fact that they open up your ribs. It just, whoa. Yeah, I used to get these phantom pains in my ribs because of it. Yeah. Um, I always thought something was happening, but it turned out one of the doctors said to me because they've been cracked open, you will sometimes get these odd pain. It's not now, but it's the beginning. Yeah, mad. Mad, but it's, it is crazy. And do you know uh, anything about your donor? So I know some things. Um, it was a, a girl. She was 12 years old. So oh, wow. a year old. Yeah. And we used to be able to write to the family through the hospital. So yes. we did that for quite a while, actually. We sent Christmas cards. And like I was really grateful. And I was at that age where really, you know, I was like, and stuff like that, and they loved it. Yeah. And when I graduated, I had these daughters, you know, through me. Nice. Sorry, that last bit cut off. When you graduated, 
they, the, the family wrote to me and they felt really proud because they oh. felt like my daughter was with me and had graduated with me. That's really nice. I bet that made you cry a bit. It made me cry a bit, I think. It did make me cry. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. I've sat down to write to my donors' family, but I just find it very emotional, and I have no idea where to start. I mean, some people include photos, and um, yeah, and I think, yeah, uh, and I thought about even just having a letter sent back to me, and I think it would just be it's, it's, um, seemed daunting emotionally, but it is something that I want to do. It's hard to know where to start. So I've had a few people ask me, you know, how, you know, how how should I start? I don't know how to put pen to paper and I do yeah. think because I was a child I think it was a lot easier for me yeah because you know you don't have that I think as adults we do overthink things a little oh, definitely, bit definitely yeah as a child doesn't really I was 11 I was really grateful and I just wanted to say thank you so I was literally like here's my mind on paper there you go <laughs> yeah at that age you're happy to draw a picture and send it to someone and all sorts of stuff like you say you don't think about what so much of you know what you know you don't worry about it so much yeah, and like they were getting things from me that you could obviously tell a child that the heart had yeah. gone to a child. They were getting drawings and poems and all sorts of cheesy stuff that I could think of. Yeah, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. The thing, I mean, I was talking to a doctor the other day about um, 3D printing organs, and wow. that that would be cool, wouldn't it? That's amazing. I have a 3D printer. You're making me look at it in a completely different way now. <laughs> Do you? Now all you need is some human DNA and you can start printing your own body parts. Oh, gosh. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool, that 3D printer. What, have you printed anything actually decent? Like, what do you use it for? So, my husband is an engineer and he got the 3D printer. It's, lived, it's in our garage. And the things that we made with it were parts all the 3D printer, which was a bit baffling. <laughs> and so far, it's been parts for things, but I think I'm going to start using it for random stuff. I don't know. I want to make silly stuff. <laughs> I don't know. That's cool. Yeah, play about with it. You can make anything, I suppose. Um, just one last thing. Uh, like, you just mentioned you had a husband. So was this something, your heart transplant, was it something you brought up? Was it something that he just sort of found out naturally? Or how so that... I in the first the first time we met because um i just felt like i didn't want it to be a skeleton in the cupboard to come out later and i didn't want to get attached to somebody and for that to be like a deal breaker for them yeah always had the thought that if somebody couldn't deal with that then i'd rather they didn't even sort of get to know me yeah. um and so I, I think i can be a bit full-on i was like here's the situation if you want if you want this carry on if you don't there's the door <laughs> and uh, he doesn't seem phased by it at all because he's just like you do everything and yeah he just takes it in his stride. that's the thing it's kind of a catch-22 isn't it because it is a big thing to tell someone but at the same time for a lot of people there's no real side effects there's no you know you're still just carrying on and i hate the word normal but yeah. you're still carrying on a very normal life so although you've had it and it is something that you might bring up at the same time there's you know very little sort of the could go wrong or side effects so it's you know it's a catch-22 isn't it or yes. whether you need to bring it up or whether you want to bring it up I suppose That's true because a lot of my friends and people who I know now until I told them they had no clue that there's anything like yeah baffled by it and, and that during the pandemic where I'm like yeah guys I can't meet up I want to do anything 
How far does the scar come up? Does it come up quite high? It doesn't come up very high. I think it starts around here and then it's not actually that long either. Yeah. It's faded so much over time, which is why a lot of my friends say we don't even notice it, to be honest. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, like I said, it was, I was so intrigued by a heart transplant. I'm still amazed by it. And you look so healthy and well. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you. It's been really fun talking. Yeah, brilliant. And thank you. Wilson's disease, and that's pretty rare. Yeah, very rare. Very, very rare Wilson's disease. Um, and it's been it's been great doing these chats, meeting people that have from all over the world, really, that have had Wilson's disease and are going through it. It's, it can be complicated for people, but it's you know it's livable, it's manageable. And yeah, and now I've had my liver transplant. I don't actually have Wilson's disease, so. It's, it's a really weird one. And for me, I was on more medication and stuff before my transplant. So now life has got a kind of a bit more simpler in a way. That's good. And you look so healthy. It's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I feel so much healthier. I feel great now. That's really good. Which hospital were you with then? Uh, King's in London, King's College. King's College. OK, yeah, I know it. Yeah, it's a, it's a liver specialist or they've got, you know, liver specialist wards. So uh, I was diagnosed yeah. at a local hospital and then rushed straight to King's. And then from there, uh, I spent quite a lot of time there. And then that's where I went and had my transplant as well. Wow. OK, it's amazing. Not so far from um, my hospital where I was. Amazing no. that we were probably going through similar, not similar things, but you know, like big life changing things at the same time in quite close proximity in London. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, it was quite daunting because obviously I, I was uh, from a village as well, a tiny village. So sort of going into London and experience King's, King's, King's Hospital can be, uh, I don't know what the right word, could be quite an experience in the fact um, where it's situated in London, you get a lot of gangs. Uh, and the first night we turned up, there'd been a stabbing, uh, two stabbings, in fact, from two different rival gangs, and they all kicked off in the hospital. So there was riot police, there was everything, and we was coming through A&E. So my mum was petrified of this, like... Um, yeah, but that, that was sort of, not really, really common, but it was fairly common. You see, you know, at King's, that it can be a little bit rough, but it was, you know... It's, it's, it's a great hospital, there's no doubt about it, it's a great hospital, so it's just an interesting hospital. It's an interesting location. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think there's a prison nearby as well, because you quite often see people with police and handcuffs, you know, going for, I suppose, a hospital visit. But it keeps you entertained. <laughs> I've got quite used to that, so if I ever go to A&E, if I'm not feeling well or whatever, for some reason there's always somebody in handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. Policeman next to I'm just thinking, oh, it's to happen whenever I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Well, thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, this is going to be on YouTube, uh, Spotify, and a few other places, so we can share it with quite a few people, which is great. Uh, and I just want to say, if there's anybody else that's listening, especially guys that want to come on, because it's very female-heavy, and it's just because it seems to be a lot of females are more happy to share their story, maybe. But yeah, if you are listening and you're male, please get in touch and we can have a little chat. Well, thank you very much again for coming on. Thanks for having me.
I'm going to say goodbye now. Bye-bye. Bye.